foundation that was laid, our nation was founded. Lord God, we also come before you on behalf of our nation. We as representatives of this nation, we come before you to repent on behalf of our nation. Lord God, we need you now more than ever. Lord, we need to turn our eyes and our hearts and our affections and our thoughts back to you. Lord God, you have the answer to every situation we face as a nation. We have the answer to every situation that we face as a people. And so, Lord God, we do not declare our utter dependence upon you. We call upon you. Lord, we do what your word says that it is people. We'll humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from your wicked ways. Then you will hear from heaven and heal our land. Lord God, come and heal our land tonight. Lord God, come and heal our land. Don't pass us by. Don't forget us. There is a remnant, Lord God. There is a remnant that will serve you. There is a remnant that will stay true to you, Lord. And we are those people. And right now we cry out on behalf of our nation, Lord God. And we thank you for all that you're going to do, Lord. We thank you for the ways that you're moving behind the scenes so that when the time is right, Lord, the, the, the blinders will be taken off the eyes of people of influence. And they'll begin to see you for who you are. And in turn, begin to make change and bring change in our nation. We thank you, Lord. Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of 
right now. I love tithing. <laughs> Amen. It's just, uh, oh, I could probably stand up here for three days straight and testify about the great benefits. And it's not just God coming through financially for us, but just having peace, knowing that no matter what's going on, he's got you all taken care of. Amen. Amen. If you need an envelope tonight and you want to participate in the tithes and offerings, just put your hand up. Our ushers will help you out. Every time Pastor goes, I have a funny things that happen to me. And uh, last night I was mowing the lawn for about 20 yards, and then I it died, and so I checked the gas. And it needed to be filled, so I put gas in it, and then I sat there about 20 times and try, tried to start that lawnmower. My gosh. 
I thought, I thought man, you just got to be a strong man to do this or something. And so I just kind of jiggled it, and I was like, what in the world is going on here? Usually it's the fire, but I'm doing good with the fires now. I'm making, doing good on my fires. Okay, in my wood stove. Anyway, so I kind of jiggled it, and I decided to turn the lawnmower over, and the blade was laying in the grass. <laughs> Not even attached to the lawnmower. <laughs> And, you know, I thought, man, there's a message in here somewhere. <laughs> there's God saying something in there. You know, um, tithing is like, you know, you're here. Here, I want to try to tie it in right now. Ready? It just was just like so hilarious to me. Tithing is like, not tithing is like trying to move that, that lawnmower <laughs> in your own strength. And nothing's happening, man. But the, when you tithe, when you give to God, that becomes like that sharp blade that just cuts through the enemy. Amen? There. There's, there's a message. But I'm sure there's more of a message in there somewhere. But anyway, got to have the blade on. Amen? <laughs> the, the tithe is the blade, the sharp blade to bring your breakthrough in a tall field of grass. Okay. Let's uh, pray. (laughs) Lord, thank you, God, for the privilege. And it is such a privilege to be in covenant with you. Really, we have only a limited knowledge of that. Lord, it is such a great privilege. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your faithful people that are faithful to give and to tithe. Lord, I pray that you would touch them tonight, that you would throw open the windows of heaven and provide everything that they have needed, so much so that their barns are overflowing. Lord, that your people would be blessed to have to bless. And we thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for providing so abundantly. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. You are great. You do miracles so great There is no one else like you There is no one else like you For you are great You do miracles so great There is no one else like you There is no our hearts in worship as we bless your holy name you deserve the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hearts in worship as we bless your holy name for you are great you do miracles so great there is no one else There is no one else like you, for you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. There is no one 
we just want to welcome um, Reverend Haggerty as he comes to share the word tonight. Amen. You can be seated if you want. Although I will have you stand in just a minute for the reading of God's Word. Amen. Thank you, Micah, for worship. I know we already thanked the worship team once, but uh, I don't know about you. Yeah, give him a hand. Micah works hard. I don't know about you, but I needed the worship tonight been a long day, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here in the house of the Lord tonight, amen. Uh, during worship, I had just this overwhelming uh, sense that, that God wanted me to share something that I don't know who it applies to. He didn't, he didn't put a light over anybody's head uh, for me to know, uh, but I just feel like uh, we all know that we're getting closer and closer to dividend coming out, and we're all thankful for that, and we're waiting on those those deposits, if, especially if you got your application in early enough, you know, you'll get the early deposit. Uh, but I just had an overwhelming sense uh, from the Lord that He's sending some blessings to some people in the house. Um, I think probably all of us could say, yes, Lord, that's me. I received that. Um, but I, I just say that to, to put some expectancy in your heart. Uh, and some expectancy in the house so that when God does that miracle for you, whoever you may be, one or more, then when you share it, it'll be a boost of our faith. Because uh, at least if nobody else, it'll boost my faith. Because then I'll know I heard God right. <laughs> but uh, just, just during worship, I just kept hearing the Lord say, I just want to bless my people. I want to bless them financially. Uh, he is blessing us with His Spirit. He is blessing us with the anointing of the preaching that goes forth here by our pastor. Uh, by the worship that takes place here, the ministry around the altars, where God does what only He can do, uh, what no man can do. It's God touching in our lives and changing us. Uh, but I just felt in my spirit, God was saying, I, I just, I, I just want to bless my children. Um, so, so be ready. Be expecting. Have that expectancy. Because uh, dividends coming, but even, I think, before that or above and beyond that, God's, God's got some stuff He wants to pour out upon us in the area of finances. And, of course, he wants to do that so that we can turn then be a blessing. That's why we are blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles tonight and uh, stand with me as we read from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Those of you, the couple of you that were here that were in the service in Anchorage, this is the message that I preached there, but I have expounded and tweaked it a little bit for tonight. So uh, I think a couple of you ladies were there. You'll, you'll remember some of it, but I've added a few things that the Lord gave me, but 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, before we read it, I also want to say, hi pastor, uh, he sent me a text, he said, I'll be online, I said, well, I'll wave to you, in fact, everybody, why don't you turn around and wave back there at the sound booth, so uh, pastor can see us, we miss you, have a blessed time in Maui, amen, all right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says this, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the time that we have tonight, Lord God, that You would minister to us, You would speak to us through Your Word. Lord, let my words not be my words, but let them be seasoned with the Holy Spirit, uh, that, Lord, You can enlighten us, bring us revelation from Your Word, uh, so that it will bring about change in our lives. Bless Your people tonight, and we thank You and we give You all the praise in Your name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message tonight is Being Spiritually Fit for the Coming Age. And so tonight in the time that we have left, my plan is to show you from God's Word how to, number one, train train areas of our lives to be spiritually fit. And also to show you, number two, the importance of that training in light of the age that we live in and the age that is to come. So that's why I got the title being spiritually fit for the coming age. Now, I'm a huge sports fan, uh, pretty much all kind of sports. Uh, when the Olympics are on, I watch all of, all of the events when I have time and when I take the time. I even got into the curling. Uh, I was, was, rooting, was rooting for U.S. to do real well in that. If, you know, come on, do that broom, do that broom, do that broom. Uh, if you've never seen curling, you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I, I love sports. I played sports. I was privileged enough to play sports and. In uh, high school and college, my favorite sport was basketball. My mom, my mom never let me play football, although we played street football and, and park football, but my mom wouldn't let me play. Uh, she was about to. When I was in the seventh grade, she was about to. I was going to get to go out for football in the eighth grade, and I was so excited. And uh, the last game of the season, one of our players uh, got tackled wrong and broke his collarbone and other areas of his neck and back, and my wife said, nope. Uh, my wife. My mom says, nope, you're not doing that. And uh, so I didn't get to play high school football, but I played everything else, uh, baseball, basketball, uh, anything in PE. And basketball was my love, and, and I, I just have, have loved sports. Uh, uh, in fact, I shared Sunday on my, on my iPhone, I have an app that alerts me. I have to make sure I turn it off, but I have an app that alerts me when certain teams that I like to follow when they score. And the first time it went off, my wife was like, what is that? Somebody texted you, and I said, no, it's not. And she said, what is it? And I said, don't worry about it. And she said, what is it? And I told her, and she said, you're silly. And I said, well, it, you know, it, it's something that's on there, so I'll take advantage of it. But, but I really do enjoy uh, sports. And when I played in high school and college, I played all out, and I still make the mistake from time to time of still acting like I'm in high school or college when I get out there and play. Uh, at the picnic uh, that we had, I got out on the basketball court and, and had a blast and played really hard, and even though I didn't do so great, uh, I still had a blast, but... I was hurting <laughs> the next day. In fact, that evening I was hurting my knees and my ankles, and uh, it hurt to walk, and getting out of bed the next morning was tough uh, because I just, I just get out there and go, and I, just, I really enjoy uh, sports. But in order to be successful in sports, or in the military, or in business, or in school in the area of academics, or in life in general, it involves training. You may, you may see somebody that, you know, is hitting that baseball and getting paid big bucks to play that kid's game and think, I can do that. Well, go to the batting cage and try to hit a 70-mile-an-hour fastball. And these guys are hitting 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. Well, how are they so successful? Training. We, especially when the Olympics are on, you always see the stories um, about the, the Olympians, the gymnasts and the swimmers from other countries that, I mean, their parents sacrifice and, and give their everything of their, all their finances and everything and send their kids off to boarding school at a young age because they 
have hopes that maybe they might just be good enough to represent the country in the Olympics. And it takes years and years of training and hours and hours and hours of training every day in order to be good at sports. But also, as I said, in the military or in business or in any endeavor that you want to put your hand to, uh, in order to be successful, it requires training. You know, the adage is, you know, don't work harder, work smarter. Well, a lot of times you can work smarter and you can accomplish things uh, by working smarter, by learning how to do it better, by training, by going through the process. Have you ever been to a gym or a weight room? What do you see? Well, in a gym or a weight room or a spa or a workout center, uh, they have weights and stations and machines and, and different things and places to do different exercises that all uh, target uh, that all, are all designed for target areas of your physical body to train and to discipline. Plus, there's also a lot of mirrors so that you can uh, uh, watch your progress. And the one thing about mirrors are mirrors don't lie. Uh, you can think you look really good, and you can think that, you know, you don't need to work out that much, which is not the case for me, but you look in the mirror and you're like, ooh, I wish they didn't have so many mirrors up. <laughs> But in the day and age that we live, we as humanity would much rather skip all the training and move on to the winning the prize or getting the, reaching the goal part. Our age of instant gratification is robbing a generation of the concept of that feeling of contentment and fulfillment in working hard for something. How many of you know that if it costs you something, it means a lot more to you? When you're, when you're raising your children making them work for something instead of just giving them everything is a great idea because when they have to work for it, whether it's uh, cutting the grass or taking out all the trash every Saturday or doing the dishes or being on a routine of chores in the house, when they get that money, it means more to them. And rather than just giving them things, let them earn money and then they go buy what they want, boy, they take a lot better care of it than if you just give them, you know, you give them those toys didn't cost them anything, and if it gets broken, oh well, mom and dad will give me something else. Well, unfortunately, sometimes that, that is all part of this age of instant gratification, I like to call it, that we live in. But that concept of, of it, if it, it means more to you if it costs you something uh, is even reflected in 2 Samuel chapter 24. You don't have to turn there, but in that passage, uh, David had sinned before the Lord and knew he needed to repent, and he went to the threshing floor of an individual and was wanted to build an altar there. And that individual, I can't remember his name, and I'm not going to take time to look it up, but that individual said, well, I'll give you the threshing floor. David said, no, I'm going to pay for it. And the, the individual said, well, no, I want to give it to you, my king. And David said, no, I will not offer to God something that doesn't cost, that has cost me nothing. And so that's a true concept. And it's, it's true in our, our physical training. If we want to be the best at whatever we're going to be, in whatever area we want to train in, then we've got to do that. We've got to train. Life involves training. Training involves commitment. And the result is in the gaining of something. You gain something when you, go put, when you put out that effort. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. 1 Corinthians 9:24 says, Don't you know that those which run in a race, they all run? But only one receives the prize. So run to win the prize. If you've ever been in a race, and, and, and I've run 10Ks before. It's been years and pounds ago. Um, but I've run 10Ks before. Everybody starts out in the same spot at the starting line. 
But you're only going to have one person that's going to cross that starting line first. But if you train really hard and then you give it all your effort, you, you, need, to do, you need to run like you're the one that's going to win. That's what Paul was saying there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, So seeing that we are surrounded with a large number of witnesses, let us lay down every weight and the sin that so easily attaches to us, and let us run with patience the race that is set in front of us. So we're talking tonight about becoming spiritually fit, but let's not, let's not forget that physical exercise does have some benefit. It helps us in many areas, and there's even examples of that in the Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he was, he was, well, he was well-rounded. He was increasing as, a, as he was growing up in all those areas of wisdom by, by learning by applying himself to what he was being taught in stature, by doing exercise and physical work that was causing his body to grow and in favor with God and man. Romans 6, 12, and 13 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. See, there are some good and profit to physical training. But in our text... Paul tells Timothy that it's even better to train ourselves to be spiritually fit for godliness. If you read the, that text in the King James Version, it says uh, for, for physical exercise, and I'm paraphrasing it, the, the term is it profiteth little. Well, I think sometimes now, now in our lives we, we've interpreted that literally. Well, if it's a little profit, why do it? And we don't try to get out and do any kind of physical exercise. And that's not what Paul's telling us there. But Paul is saying it does profit us because we present ourselves, our bodies, as sacrifices to the Lord. And we want to give Him the very best. So we need to take care of this body that God has given us. So we'll be around a long time to serve the Lord and to the message and carry the gospel. But we also need to be spiritually fit for godliness. Now when you think about the term godliness, I mean, we could establish a lot of different definitions of godliness. But I think the simplest definition is be like God. When you think of godliness, the simplest definition of that is to be like God. And, and that's what we're called to be, church. We're called to be like God. I mean, the Word of God tells us, be holy even as I am holy. Now, that's a high standard that God sets for us. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to attain it. Just because it's a high standard doesn't mean we should go... Wow, I'll never be able to do that. Well, you're right. In my strength, in your strength alone, we'll never be able to obtain what God has called us to. But that's where He does the part that we can't by equipping us and training us and teaching us through His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us be conformed and transformed and made into His image. When the disciples were arrested after the day of Pentecost, it says that the religious leaders marveled, noting that they could tell they had been with Jesus. Kind of like they were like, 
you remind me of somebody. Well, that's what it means to be godly or to train ourselves in godliness so that we're like God. Quickly tonight, I want to give you three target areas of our lives that need training for godliness so that our homes, our lives, our church, and even this world will be a little bit more of like what Jesus said. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Because that's the goal. That's why we're here. We're here to carry the kingdom of God. The Word says that the kingdom of heaven is within us. It's within our hearts. So everywhere we go, we should be exhibiting that, showing forth the kingdom, a kingdom mentality. And so we need to train ourselves. In, and there's lots of areas, but I, I picked three that the Lord gave me. So uh, let's jump right on into these three target areas. Target area number one. I think you're going to like this one. The tongue. We need to learn to train our tongue for godliness. James chapter 1, verse 26 says this, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Now, in case you think I read that wrong, I'll read it again. James chapter 1, verse 26, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Now I can see the look on some of y'all's faces. Wow, preacher. Did you have to pick, start with the hardest one? Why did you have to jump right into that target area? Well, ask yourself, how serious do we really want to be in this training our lives spiritually for godliness? James has a lot to say about the tongue. He says it's unruly. He says it's a little member and yet it controls our whole body just like the little rudder, the small rudder on a boat, on a huge ship. That small rudder turns that huge ship whatever direction it wants it to to go. The same thing with our tongue. The Word of God says the power of life and death is in the tongue. James says the tongue is a little fire that defiles, sets on fire the whole body. With hellfire, he talks about blessings and cursings with our mouth. We bless God and we curse men who are made in the likeness and image of God. (laughs) Now, church, these are James' words inspired by the Holy Spirit to be recorded in Holy Scripture. These aren't my words. These are James' words. But they still are ouch and oh me and wow, I need to hear that. To properly train the tongue, sets of exercises should be developed to train the tongue to form words of appreciation and words of praise and words of encouragement for those who do the laundry, for those who clean the house, those who manage the money, who do the yard work, who put in long hours, who have a great smile, and on and on and on. Because you see, the sad fact is our tongues are very quick to criticize. Our tongues are very quick to complain. Our tongues are very quick to point out how bad it is, how, how it, I don't like it, how it's not the way I want. And we're very slow to just give somebody words of encouragement. You have a great smile. Your smile made my day. Thank you so much. Or you always have a great attitude. Or every time I see you, you shake my hand and say, hey, how's it going? And I know you mean it. But see, we, we, don't, we don't say those things sometimes, unfortunately, myself included. So to properly train our tongue for godliness, 
We should begin to develop and practice and put into practice those exercises. We should look for ways to encourage people. We should look for ways to, to praise people. Now, now, I know it talks in Psalms and Proverbs about you know, a flattering tongue. Don't praise people. Don't, don't encourage people for flattery because that's just so you can get something from them. But to, to compliment someone, a genuine compliment, to encourage someone with your words goes a long way. Because this world is full of harsh, critical, criticizing, demeaning, demoralizing words that come forth. And God forbid that it come forth from you and I. I mean, that's what James is trying to tell us. So we need to become spiritually fit for godliness by learning to trade, to train our tongues to give forth praise, to give forth praise to God, to give forth compliments to other people. Have you ever said something, and the moment that the words left your mouth, they're still on your tongue, you wish you could reach out and grab and pull them back. And you think, why did I say that? Well, I'm going to step on some toes even more. The Word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we find ourselves speaking forth things that we don't know why we said that, and we're not quite sure where that came from, let me give you a little hint. Before you start any kind of physical training, what do they always tell you? Consult your physician to make sure that you're prepared to do this training. Well, maybe before you start training your tongue to give forth words of appreciation and affirmation, maybe you need to have a heart checkup with Dr. Jesus to make sure your heart's in the right place because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Anyway. We need to trade our tongues to also give thanks in all things. That's what Paul tells us. Paul, among any other, above anybody else, had the right to say, you know, give thanks, but when you're bound in chains and you're shipwrecked, thrown in the dungeon, the part of the dungeon that's under the dungeon, and it's, it's wet and cold and spiders and everything else, you know, maybe you don't have to give thanks in, but that's not what he said. Now, he didn't say give thanks for all things. He said in all things, give thanks. That's what we really need to learn. Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this situation, but you know what? I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you through the storm. Because I know at a moment's notice you can stand up in the midst of my storm and speak the words, peace be still, and it'll all be calm. But I also know that you may look at me and say, oh, ye of little faith, I'm in the storm with you. Can't you trust me that we'll get through on the other side? Yes, Lord, I can. So I thank you and give you praise even in the midst of the storm. Now, in the area of sports and physical training, and no one would ever accuse me of being a bodybuilder. I know that. Um, But in that area, there's a big controversy about performance-enhancing drugs, supplements, additives, all kinds of things. Well, you know what? I think it's no coincidence that when the Bible talks about how hard it is for you and I to control our tongue, how hard, even though it's a small muscle, even though if you were to reach in your mouth and grab your tongue and, try, and then try to hold it still while you were talking, you might not be able to form good words, but you couldn't hold your tongue still. What? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there he goes. Every church needs a church mouse. What can I say? All right. Anyway, if you were to try to, if you were to, try to, to do that, you would find it extremely difficult 
to hold your tongue in place when you're trying to form words. Well, I don't think it's any coincidence that when Jesus said He was going to send the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, that what was the evidence of the infilling and the overflowing and the dunamis power that came from on high? They spoke in other tongues, which symbolizes the tongue, the most unruly, difficult part of our body, being in complete surrender to God. Think about that. Now those of you that are full of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues on a regular basis, which if you don't, you should, either be filled or speak, in tongue, speak on a regular basis. Something that Jan and I developed a long time ago, and I only say this because some people look at us and think we're crazy when we do it, but it works, is when our kids were little and they began to hear us speak in tongues and then they began to get of the Holy Spirit, we would have at the house speaking in tongue time. In the kitchen, in the living room, in the backyard, it didn't matter. Hold hands on the count of three, everybody ripping tongues as loud and as fast and as long as you can. Now, see, I can tell some of y'all look like, what? Y'all look crazy. Well, see, all three of my, my youngest children received the baptism, the infilling, and baptism of the Holy Spirit when, when Brother Tom and Sister Jane Hammond were here. In fact, we were listening to the CD the other day when she prayed for them. And so every night, Eric and Maley share a bedroom, so I do it with them. And then when I put John to bed, every night. That's what I do every night. I, I do bedtime every night because I'm not there in the morning for going, getting off to school. But every night after bedtime prayers, after kisses and hugs and teeth brush and everything else, it's okay, girls, you ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. And I mean, they're just, and they start getting louder and it's competition and they're in each other's face, you know. And then, and then, and then, and then amen. Good night, girls. Well, that's foolishness, Barry. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know what should become second nature, actually first nature for you and I as Pentecostal believers? The power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. That at a moment's notice, because Paul says we should pray without ceasing. Well, now there's times that we're having to carry on conversation with our wife or our husband, and we need to carry on that conversation. But I think in our spirit, our spirit can constantly be in a state of prayer. That at any moment's notice, the Holy Spirit can speak to us and say, pray for that person. Pray for that. Receive that. Bless that person. Do that. Well, I want my children to be used to that. I don't want that to be foreign to my children. I'm spending too much time on this, but maybe it needs to be said for somebody out there. Begin to develop that. We had a little resistance with some... No resistance with the youngest ones. Had a little resistance to begin with, but now, I mean, at a... It, it doesn't matter. It's like we get a phone call about something. Somebody comes over and they're not, you know, friends come over to the house and they're dealing with something. Come on, gang, we're going to pray for them. Lay hands on them. They pray in tongues, all of them. Which really freaks out people who aren't filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit. But that's okay. They can't deny the, tr- the fruit. All right. But where I was going with the performance-enhancing drugs thing and the tongue is, that's our supplement. In order to train our tongue and control our tongue, the Holy Spirit is that performance-enhancing supplement that God gives us to be able to stop cursing men made in God's image and begin to offer up blessings and praise and affirmation. So, target area number one in training our lives to be spiritually fit for godliness is our tongue. Target area number two, our eyes. Our eyes need to be trained for godliness. Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, 
but the wise will listen to counsel. Mark chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus is talking to the people, and he, he actually is quoting from a passage in the Old Testament, but he says, having eyes you still don't see. And then he goes on to tell them, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Did he really say that? Yes, he did. Because he goes on to say, better for you to go into heaven and live with God with one eye than to have two eyes and because your eye offended you and caused you to sin, you go to hell with two good eyes. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd rather train my eyes and allow God to teach me to train my eyes to see the things of God and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to look on the face of Jesus and to look into the Word of God and allow it to change me than to have to worry about whether my eye is wandering and I have to pluck it out. Because plucking it out doesn't sound very much fun. But I guess I'd rather do that and make heaven than keep both of them in sin and go to hell. I don't know how, I don't know. <laughs> you're right, you get a new one when you get there because our bodies will be glorified. Very good. I don't know how to make it any plainer than that, but our eyes need to be trained for godliness. Paul even says in Ephesians, in his opening prayer, when he's praying for the church at Ephesus, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be what? Open. Why? So you could begin to see the riches of His glory in our lives now and in what's coming. So we need to allow our eyes to be trained in that area. Our eyes get us into trouble. Now because I are one, I'll talk about men. Our eyes get us in trouble. The Bible's got examples of that. David got in trouble because of his eyes. Samson got in trouble because of his eyes. Solomon, in all his wisdom and everything that he figured out how to be wise about, was not wise about his eyes. And it got him in trouble. And there's even been contemporary men of God who've gotten in trouble because their eyes weren't trained or they didn't keep them trained. They may have started out trained, but they didn't keep them trained. Training of the eyes to avoid this kind of trouble would involve exercises that teach us to look the other way. Or to get up and turn it off. Or to get up and walk out of the situation. Whatever was necessary to make sure we're training our eyes to see godliness and see the things of God. It would also include accountability. If you've ever been in a weight training program or an exercising program, you've got a trainer. You've got a personal trainer that's there to coach you, that's there to keep you accountable. And you're counting, you know, you're doing those reps, you know, on, on that machine, and, you know, you're supposed to do 20 reps, and you've done 12, and the next thing you say is 14. That trainer goes, no, 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 that's 13. Come on, keep going. And I remember when I was playing basketball in high school and college, we did weight training just to, to stay sharp, not to bulk up but just to stay sharp. And there'd be times, man, I'd be straining in my, my partner, my training partner. Come on, Haggerty. That's my last name. Come on, Haggerty. One more. One more. One more. All right, come on. Give me one more. Give me one more. Well, see, when we're accountable with each other to help keep, make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus, it's kind of like having personal trainers. You need to find somebody to be accountable to. Men to men. Women to women. Husbands to wives. Wives to husbands. Not as many amens there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> All right. 
1 John 2.16 says, The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are things that cause us problems. But the lust of the eyes doesn't just involve things that have to do with the opposite sex. What about always looking for the next thing? What about always looking at what others have instead of what we have? Not being content with where we are. Y'all don't shout me down now. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul said, I have learned that whether I am exalted or made low, I am content. Why? Because he realized his eyes were on the prize. He had trained his eyes. And it didn't matter what he, what he physically could see. His eyes were on the prize. And he was shooting for that. He was trying with all his might to obtain that. And if he got exalted, praise you, Jesus. If he was brought low, praise you, Jesus. Neither one of those things is my goal. Jesus is my goal. And the same thing's true for you and I when it comes to the area of training our eyes. A little song that we used to sing in children's church. Maybe we still sing it here. I don't know. I haven't been to children's church. But a cute little song that as soon as I start singing it, everybody should be able to sing it with me if you've been brought up in church. It says, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For your Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Great little song for our, cho- our little children to learn to sing. What a powerful message. Because the Word of God says, and, and I preached it when I preached on the light of the world, but the Word of God says that the eyes are the lamp of the body into the soul. You can remember things, you can remember things that you've seen, and unless Jesus wipes that memory clean, unless you keep it under the blood, unless you stay hooked up with the Holy Spirit, you can bring it back to memory. Why? Because it entered in through the eye gate and became permanently embellished there. Now, Jesus is able to wipe it clean. Thank you, thank you, Lord. But that's why it's so important, so very, very important, that we begin to train our eyes for godliness so that we don't trip up, so that we don't stumble so that our eyes and what we see don't lead us astray. Target area number three, the neck. Have you ever worked out, exercised, worked hard, lifted something the wrong way, done something wrong, and come up with a stiff neck? When you get that, a good massage, maybe some heat, some good working out of the, of the kinks is usually what cures a stiff neck. And guess what? The same thing's true when it comes to having a stiff, stiff neck before God. See, in the Old Testament it talks about it more, but even Jesus talked about it uh, in, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are many times the prophets stood up and said to the nation of Israel, you evil, stiff-necked people. Well, when we get stiff necks, we've got to learn how to train our necks to not be stiff, to loosen up. To let that tension go. Because here's what usually happens. This type of stiff neck before God usually means we're too proud to admit we made mistakes. Are you feeling good about service tonight? Too stubborn to ask for forgiveness. Or too arrogant 
to admit that we need to depend on God. Any one of those three will lead to a stiff neck. So we need to learn some training techniques that will allow us to not have a stiff neck before God. (laughs) I need God, church, in every area of my life, big or small, huge or tiny, gigantic or minute, whatever term you want to use, I need God in my life. I I, I was dealing with a technician one time at work, a mechanic. That's what I do um, for employment. And he was having a tough time, and he was a very well-trained technician. I mean, when we had problem cars that we couldn't get solved, Chip was able to solve them. And he was having a terrible time with his Jeep one time. And I said, Chip, I'm going to pray for you. And he said, what? And I said, I'm going to pray for you. He said, why? I said, one, because I care about you, and I pray about you all the time, I pray for you all the time anyway. I said, but specifically, we need to get this car fixed because we need to get it back to the customer, and then i got three more I need you to work on. So I'm going to pray that God gives you the answer. Whatever, you know, you may have, have seen it and not even realized it and gone past it, that God will bring it to you. And he said, he just started laughing. He said, I don't believe you. And I said, what, you don't believe I'll pray? He said, no, I believe you'll pray. He said, I just don't believe you'd take the time to do that. And I said, why not? He said, and Chip had an understanding and an acknowledgement of God, but he didn't walk with the Lord. He said, God's got way too many bigger things to worry about than whether or not I can fix this car. And I said, oh, no, my friend. You shortchanged the God I serve. He is concerned about every area of our life. And too many times we let Him handle the big things, like salvation, like we could handle it anyway, but we let Him handle salvation. We bend our knee and confess our sins and trust Him with our very souls, but we won't trust Him for the bills that need to be paid. We won't trust Him for food that needs to be on the table or clothes that need to be on our back or, or any of those small things. It's kind of like, God, I got this. I, I can handle that. God, I, thank You for saving me. Thank You for Your presence in church on Sunday, but Monday through, Monday through Friday, I got it, Lord, and I'll see You again on Sunday. Well, when you do that, you're developing a stiff neck because you're saying, I don't need God in every area of my life. And you'll begin to have a stiff neck. So let me give you the key to training your neck to not be stiff. This type of training involves our knees. Prayer is the key to training our necks to not be stiff before God. Prayer is the key. Bending our knees, bowing our heads. See, when we bow our heads and bend our knees in a position of prayer, physically that's going to help loosen up our neck that's all tight from stress, from worrying, our our neck that's all stiff from from having a, a bad day or a long day or fighting with our husband or our wife or our kids are driving us crazy and all those things because we we bow our head and we bend our knee in prayer humbly before God and you'll begin to feel those things lift off you. Because that's what Jesus said to do. We're told to what? Cast our cares on Him because He cares for us. We're told to, we're told to take His yoke upon us because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And I don't know about you, but there's been times I've come in and like I said, I needed worship tonight because it's been a long day for me. Not to get your pity, but I haven't been home since 5.30 this morning. 
okay? It's been a long day for me. But I was glad to be here in the house of God. But I needed worship because when I closed my eyes and lifted my hands and bowed my head at times and lifted it at times, I just began to feel all that tension and all the day wash away. So to train our necks for godliness, which is an, a, a, how would I word this, which is to have it in a position of humbleness before the Lord, we need to do it through prayer. Jesus says, the Word of God says that God gives grace to the, to the, he gives grace. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I knew I'd get it right there. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's hard to be proud and stubborn and stiff-necked when you're in the position of prayer before the Lord. Because when we're in that position and we're still trying to say, we didn't make that mistake, the Holy Spirit's saying, yes, you did. When we're in that position and, and we're still trying to say, God, I don't, I, 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 I'm praying about this, and the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but what about this situation? Well, I don't, God, I got that one. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you don't. Now, you can try, but if you try, you'll mess it up. If you try, you'll add more stress. If you try, you'll make your neck even more stiff. So it's hard in that position to maintain a stiff neck. Prayer is great for keeping us humble before God. And being humble before God is how we train our neck for godliness. So, three key target areas of our lives that need to be trained for godliness. The tongue. Everybody remember that one. The eyes. And the neck. And here's why it's so important. Because remember I said my goal tonight was to show you some areas that we needed to train for godliness. And then to show you why it was so important. Here's why it's so important. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciousness are dead. You ever heard of the term atrophy? If you ever break an arm or, or injure yourself, uh, pull a muscle or a tendon or a ligament or something, to, and they have to immobilize that joint or that arm or that limb or whatever, it's very important that when you're able to, you get that thing moving. Because if not, atrophy will set in. And if atrophy sets in long enough, that limb will become dead. Paul was, sell, was telling Timothy that in the last days, and the title of my message is Being Spiritually Fit for the Coming Age. Paul was telling Timothy, in the last days, there will be some that will fall away from the true faith and their consciousness will become dead. Their faith will become atrophy. They will lose the ability to move in the things of God. They'll begin, Paul says, to believe the doctrines of demons. And they will become liars and hypocrites trying to deceive others. In fact, in another passage it says, if possible, the very elect would be tempted to fall away. Why do we need to make sure we're spiritually fit for this coming age? Because the enemy knows he's running out of time. And if possible, he will deceive the very elect. And if we're not spiritually fit... We may try to exercise something we used to have 
and we may find that it's atrophy. If our tongue has been allowed to atrophy in the area of praising God, of praying to Him, of declaring His goodness, of speaking forth the truth of the Word of God, of making declarations over our family and over our lives. If our tongue has become atrophied in that because we haven't kept it trained to do those things and left to itself, it will revert to cursings and speaking critical and harsh words and all of that because our heart will become that way. Then when we need God the most, we may find that we've forgotten how to pray. When we need to activate the power of the Holy Spirit over a situation, we may find that, wow, it's not there anymore. Because we haven't kept our tongue trained. If we don't keep our eyes trained on godliness, if we allow anything to pass before our eyes, David said it in the Psalms, I will will set no vile thing before my eyes. Personal time. God's had to deal with me about certain things in my life many times over. And I'm finally learning the lesson. There are just some things you don't need to see. There are just some things, no matter how popular it may be, no matter how good the storyline may be, no matter how good the message might be, the wrapping that it comes in, you don't need to see. And if I'm not preaching to anybody else, I'm reminding myself. Because when we begin to allow anything to pass before our eyes, then our spirit becomes atrophy. Because we become complacent. I've preached on it before. We become dead in our spirit. And Paul said there's a war raging. And I'm I'm closing here in just a minute. Paul said there's a war raging. I see this battle going on inside me. The very thing that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. And what I know I should be doing... I don't seem to do it all. And when you boil it down and break it down, basically he's saying your flesh and your spirit, because when you're born again, your flesh is crucified, but unfortunately it doesn't stay that way. You have to keep it crucified. You have to keep it dead. And the way you do that is to starve it. And your spirit will only grow if you feed it things of the Spirit. That new spirit, the new life, the new creature that God made you will only grow if you feed it the things of the Spirit. They that walk after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. So how can you help this struggle that's going on inside you? Crucify your flesh daily. Don't look at it. Don't put it before your eyes. Don't read it. Don't watch it. Don't consider it. And begin to consider the things of God and fix your eyes on Jesus. And when you do, your spirit will grow big and strong and be trained and be, you know, the bodybuilder that crushes your flesh on a daily basis. So that when your weak flesh tries to raise up and say, let's go do this, let's speak that, let's watch that, your spirit says no. And he's strong enough to put it down because you fed your spirit. And our neck. Our neck can become very stiff and atrophy, so much so that we're Christians walking around with neck braces on because it's so stiff, it hurts to even try to move it because we, in turn, begin to live the life that says, I don't need God in that area, I didn't make that mistake, I'm too proud, and I don't need to ask for forgiveness. 
When anytime we say we don't need to ask forgiveness or we can't forgive ourselves, we're taking the place of Jesus. Because Jesus says, I forgive you. And if Jesus says you're forgiven, how can you and I say, no, Lord, I'm not. I can't even forgive me. Because then you're not allowing Jesus to be who he wants to be. We're not allowing Jesus to be who he wants to be in our lives. So that's why it's so important. Because if we begin to train ourselves in all areas of our lives for godliness, we won't turn out to be like those people that Paul was talking about in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4. Why should we train ourselves for godliness? To have a long eternity, spiritually blessed life. Train ourselves for godliness now, and we'll be blessed forever eternally in heaven. Isn't the best time to start? Right now. Right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the the move of the Spirit in this place, and right now, Lord God, Right now, Lord Jesus, I just pray you take your word and you allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives. Father, we all need to love you more. We all need to serve you better. We all need to walk harder after you. We all need to seek after you with all our hearts. We need to love you with everything that we have. And Lord God, I'm so thankful that when we don't, we can ask your forgiveness and you forgive us. And when we lack the strength to do it, but the effort is there. God, you come along and you strengthen us. So Lord, I just ask that you do that for your people tonight. Would you stand all over this place? Would you just lift your hands before the Lord tonight? Just begin to thank Him for His love. Just begin to thank Him for His goodness. Begin to thank the Holy Spirit if He's speaking to you about any one of these areas. Thank Him for that right now. Because that means He's wanting to work in, in your life and deal with you about certain things. And that's a good thing. If He's wanting to do that, that's a good thing because that shows He loves you. That He cares about you. That He's not, He doesn't want you to stay where you are. So let's just worship Him for just a moment. Let's just thank Him tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Jesus. Yes, we bless You, Lord. We praise You tonight, God, for Your goodness. Holy Spirit, You're not finished with us yet. Holy Spirit, You're still working in our lives. Oh, just as David said, take not Your Holy Spirit, Lord, from us. Don't let us be out of Your presence, Jesus. Lord, we want to thank You. Lord, we want to praise You. Lord, we want to just take a moment to bless Your name. Train us, Lord. Train our mouths, Jesus, to worship You. Train our mouths, Lord, to speak forth the praises of God. Let it overflow from our hearts. Let it overflow. Let it be an overflow, Lord, of You working in our lives. Oh, thank You, Lord God. Thank You that You protect us, Lord. Thank You that You guard us. Thank You that You're that encourager. Thank You, Holy Spirit, that that's one of Your jobs, that You encourage us. When we're running that race faithfully, when we're being diligent in serving You, that You're right there, Holy Spirit, saying, Good job, son. Good job, daughter. I love You. Here, let me give You some rest. Let me give You some peace. Because you got a big hill coming up. And we're going to get over that hill. We're going we're gonna to get over that thing. And when we get up to the top of that hill, then we're going to go through the valley. And I'm going to be with You there too. Thank You, Lord, for that. 
<laughs> oh, I just feel encouraged tonight in the Holy Spirit, church. Begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Begin to train your tongue to just pray in the Holy Spirit. To allow the Spirit to just speak through you. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to move your tongue. But He'll give you the words to say. It'll start flowing forth. Begin to allow the Lord to train you in that. Shake le le anda la 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 bamboo she le 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 be na da de ya la 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 mo shore le 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 be ya anda la 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 marute she le la na ma na 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 ne she le ke la 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 ma 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 na na. As we close tonight, those of you who continue to pray in the Spirit, continue to pray as the Lord leads you. But I want to, I want to ask this question: If you're here tonight. And you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, or you need to accept Him for the first time. If you're online and you've never had the, the the understanding that you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you tonight you do. Not just to keep you out of hell, but so that you can begin to walk in life as it was created and intended to be. Because that's what Jesus does for us. He gives us the very best of life, and plus we get to go to heaven. So if you're online or you're here tonight and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or you need to rededicate your life to Him, or you need to just make sure in your own mind, in your own conscience, in your own spirit, that you know that you're right with Him, uh, with every head bowed as people are worshiping, would you lift your hand? Hallelujah! Those of you, Hallelujah! Those of you that are online, I can't see if you lift your hand, but I'm believing right now that many of you are. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. Just speak it out loud. Here's part of that training again. Declaring the truths of God. Just speak it out loud. Repeat this prayer after me. Let's all do it. Dear Jesus, thank You so much for dying on the cross for me. For shedding Your blood so that my sins can be forgiven. Thank You, Jesus that you don't just forgive my sins, you forget my sins. And you make me brand new. Do that tonight, Lord. Make me brand new. And I love you, Lord. And I'll serve you all my life. In your name, Amen. Did you get something tonight? Amen. Grab, the, grab joint hands across the aisle. We'll be dismissed tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word that went forth. And and, uh, as your people go tonight, God, I pray that you would bless them. God, that you cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. And bring them back on Sunday in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.